Almighty Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We confess today that you are God and there is no other. We confess that you are holy and good, just and perfect. You are love and light. You are gracious. You are long-suffering. Holy Spirit, we have sung today that you are welcome here. You are here. You are present in this place in the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, we would ask that you would do um, what I can't do. That you would take the weakness I may have in preaching and the weakness we may have in receiving and make sense of it all, draw us deeper, draw us deeper to understand, to see, to worship, to find peace. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, which not only teaches us, but transforms us. God, may your word today work its transforming power in my heart, in the hearts of my sisters and brothers here. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, for your glory. Amen. We are in 1 John. we got this week and next week, Lord willing, we're going to finish up First uh, John. And today we're in First John chapter five, uh, starting at verse six. First John chapter five. You know, it's toward the back of your New Testament. If you um, uh, go all the way to the Book of Revelation and come back a couple pages, you'll find it. Let me read this passage and then um, see if we can pull some things out. John is talking about Jesus. He finishes that up in the sentence before. Jesus, who is the Son of God. And this is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. 
This little passage here is probably one of the most perplexing in the New Testament, if not in the whole of Scripture. John is writing and he says, uh, this one, this Jesus is the one who came by water and blood. And it somehow gives testimony to who Jesus is. And we read that and say, what in the world is he talking about? And the church has worked on this. Theologians have worked on this. Biblical scholars have worked on this for centuries. And we come up with different possibilities you know, first of all, it needs to be said that from the beginning of the first John, we have been dealing with a group of people that have infiltrated the church, and um, they have um, are saying that uh, Jesus is really not the Messiah. That when Jesus came, he was born of a um, of Mary and Joseph, who were. Um, who were his real parents. There was no virgin birth. There was just a man and a woman who were married and came together and gave birth to this child. And Jesus grew up like any normal child. There was nothing special about him. And then one day as he grew older, he went down to the Jordan River, and there was John the Baptist, uh, baptizing people for uh, repentance. And Jesus comes into the water and John baptizes him. And when he brings him up out of the waters, the scriptures tell us that the Spirit of God descended upon him. And it was that um, Serentheus and the Gnostics taught that the Messiahship came upon Jesus at his baptism. And because he was human, that spirit of God could not die, so it left him before he went to the cross. Now, we may sit here 2,000 years removed and say, well, that's silliness. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he was born that way, that he was, he was uh, Messiah in heaven. He was born that way. But this teaching has begun to infiltrate the church that what the Bible has been declaring about Christ, about Jesus, is really not true. And so John is speaking to that, and over and over and over again, he's reminded the church, he points back to Jesus. And says, that which our hands have handled and our eyes have seen and our ears have heard, we're here to proclaim to you that he is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And so, part of what John is doing here is going to be dealing with the divinity and the humanity of Christ. Saying that Jesus is fully divine and yet at the same time fully human. And so he gives this picture that most likely the readers of John in the first century understood what he was talking about. Because he doesn't go to explain it. 
I mean, if, if I were just to say that Jesus came by water and the blood and the Spirit testifies that, and that's the way it is, and then I would just go walk down and say that's it, there's probably a good number of you that would go, what in the world was, what is he talking about? Because you just can't, it's not part of our culture. It's most likely part of John's culture. So there are three possibilities that have been given. Uh, and let me share all three with you. And then um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one that I think works best. And I'm not alone in this. So um, some people have taught that this blood and water, water and blood, is refers to when Jesus was on the cross and they stuck a spear into his side to see if he was really dead. And the scriptures tell us that a mixture of water and blood uh, flowed from him. But that in itself is not testimony of who Jesus really was, except to say that he was most likely fully human. Something was happened inside of him when they uh, stuck the spear into him that um, had this water and this blood uh, flow out. Yes, that did happen. Is that what John is talking about here? I don't think so. Some in the church, as the church has, has grown throughout the centuries, some have said that the water and blood refer to the two sacraments that we celebrate as the church of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Water in the back, baptism. Uh, tables up in front with juice and crackers, the body and blood of Christ. But this was kind of a late development when the church was uh, more fully organized and can it refer to baptism and communion? I suppose it can. But I would like to go uh, and suggest this. That the water uh, does refer to baptism, but it refers to Jesus' baptism. And the blood refers to his crucifixion. Jesus comes and his ministry starts at his baptism. He moves up from that baptism and he becomes more and more known. He calls his disciples. He ministers grace to the people. He tells the listeners that he and the Father are one, that he is God didn't sit too well with the religious leaders of the day. The apostle uh, John, uh, Paul, excuse me, the apostle Peter will declare, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded and said, Peter, you have not dis you've not figured this out on your own. But the Father, Spirit, has made that clear to you. So I want to suggest that the water refers to the beginning of Christ's ministry, the beginning of his testimony of himself, and that blood refers to the crucifixion. That Jesus 
was already Christ at the baptism, and Jesus was fully Christ at the crucifixion. It was the beginning and the ending or the completing of his earthly ministry. God spoke in the form of the Spirit in that dove and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That initiated his earthly ministry. And on the cross, Jesus spoke and he showed the forgiveness and the mercy of God. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. So I don't think you were wrong in taking any of these as meanings. But I would just like to suggest that since we're talking about a testimony about who Jesus is, that this is part of the equation. Because as we read here, not only does Jesus in his life testify to who he is, but the Spirit, who is the Spirit, the truth, testifies who Jesus is. Jesus told his disciples, when I am gone, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and make all things clear to you. You're going to know from the deepest part of your being that this is true. And then it goes on to say this is the testimony of God himself. And the God himself uh, refers to the Father at this point because we know that he says that his son there's a father-son relationship. Jesus will have told his disciples in John's hearing that he and the Father are one. And so we see this testimony given by Christ himself, given by the Holy Spirit, and given by the Father. There's a triune declaration of who Jesus is. We can believe the testimony of men. In Jesus' day, if you had three people that testified to, a, to an event, it was held as true. So the hearers of John's uh, letter, the readers of John's letter knew that there are three testimonies here. This le leads us to know that something is true. It made sense to them. John says, writes here, he says, this is God's testimony. This is what God says about who Jesus is. And you want to believe that because God said it. And John then writes, he says, if you don't believe, you make God out to be a liar. Now, I don't know about you. I know about me. But the last thing I want to do is tell God he's a liar. I don't place, I don't think that puts us in good stead. John says, God only speaks the truth. The Spirit is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. 
And all three of those things declare who Jesus is. And we are called to believe it. We are called to trust in it. In fact, the testimony that God makes, John says, becomes our testimony. It's what we declare as followers of Jesus Christ. And John finishes up this paragraph and he says, this is the testimony, this is the the." The heart of the issue is that it has to do with eternal life. It says because life is in his son. And he who has surrendered themselves to Jesus. He who declares that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Has life. Life like John said in the gospel is abundant life. God life that is present here and now and present into eternity. And whoever has the Son believes in the Son, believes in God's testimony, has this life. And then he finishes the paragraph with a sobering statement. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Or you may think that you have life. You may think you have everything that you need from life, but the truth is you have no life apart from Jesus. And those of you who have surrendered your life and have followed Jesus who believe in his uh, virgin birth and his atoning death on the cross and the powerful resurrection that brings us life. You have life now. It's yours in its fullness because you are imparted with the Holy Spirit. So, what do, we, what do we do with this? What does it mean for us today? And I know a lot of you have followed and walked with Jesus all of your life. But some of you are still struggling with that. If we're going to hold to God's word, we have two choices. Either... Jesus is who he said he is, or either he's not. Either God spoke the truth, or he didn't. It's, it's your choice. You remember um, Indiana Jones, those movies? And when the time when they went for the Holy Grail, and they go through all the Indiana Jones things with as many snakes as you can possibly put, always snakes. But he finally gets to uh, this inner chamber, and he's being uh, 
followed and harassed by the guy who is also after the Holy Grail. And they push by this Knights Templar who has been there for centuries guarding this thing. If you have a hard time believing this, believe a G the Indiana Jones movie. I mean, that's even tougher. But they come into this room and uh, Indiana is looking over this. There's a plethora of cups. He has to figure out which is the right one. And the Knights Templar says, uh, choose wisely. So the antagonist in the movie looks across all of them and he finds this beautiful golden uh, goblet with, encrusted with jewels. And he says, well, Jesus is the king. This, must, this is a cup for the king. And he drinks of it to his sudden demise. So Indiana looks across all those cups and kind of hidden in the midst of one is a rough-hewn wooden goblet. And discovers as he takes a drink of that, uh, from that fountain that it's that rough-hewn, earthy cup that is truly the grail. The knight said, choose wisely. One leads to death, one leads to life. So we are here today to say, choose wisely. Choose that Jesus is the Messiah. Choose life because it is bound up in him. Choose that gift of life that is present for us now and present with us in eternity. And to realize, brothers and sisters, that the testimony of the blood and the water and of the Spirit and of the Father is our testimony today. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to the whole of creation. The testimony is ours. Jesus says, and the kingdom will come when that message has gone out through the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. We have been given the responsibility to proclaim the testimony that has been proclaimed to us. That's our responsibility. That's what Jesus has given us to do. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.
Jesus never told us to build buildings. He never really told us in any strict form to search for pastors from all over the country to be our pastor. But he did tell us the command that he gave us, the commission that he gave us was to go and make disciples. He kept it pretty simple. Love God, love each other, go make disciples. That's, that's it. Sometimes I think we've made it incredibly difficult. And I wonder sometimes when I'm sitting in the pew and I'm thinking of all the stuff that has to be done. And uh, let me give you just a real quick thing that uh, Lorena and I, of all the two people in this church, have a really difficult time worshiping because we got to make sure that all this happens. She sits over at the piano and looks up the screen and goes, those are the wrong words. You know, I hear people or wonder, is everybody happy? You know. Jesus wanted us to be really simple. Just worship him. Not all the stuff we always have to have, but just worship him and go and make disciples. That's our testimony about who Jesus is, the Son of God, and life is in the Son. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.